Welcome to the Global Business Women's Pod, brought to you by the Greater Houston Women's Chamber of Commerce. I am Susan Dyson and proud to be the CEO, President, and Founder of the Chamber. Please join us for this empowering podcast every Thursday at 6 p.m. Honored to be able to present Kara Kalecki. She is the CIO, the Chief Information Officer at the American Bureau of Shipping. It's one of the world's leading ship classification organizations, leading marine and offshore innovation. Kara's career began in Houston with Ernst & Young Consulting, working on IT development and implementation projects in the energy and the chemicals industry. And after much success in this domain, she moved into senior leadership roles in the power generation and distribution environment within Exelon in Chicago. In 2013, her pivot, she took her and her family and they catapulted abroad, not to Paris, but uh, she took the exceptional challenge to build and lead the multinational IT organization that established the first four nuclear power plants in the Gulf region in Abu Dhabi. As you can imagine, amazing, unique experiences through this one-of-a-kind startup, capital-intensive construction and operation project in the Middle East. In 2020, she repatriated herself and her family back to the U.S. with Stanley Black and Decker, where she built up the security business in preparation for divestiture. And in September of 2022, Kara joined the American Bureau of Shipping as CIO and Senior Vice President. Another new industry bringing her home to Houston. Thank you so much for being here today. Very much. Thank you for having me. When I was nine, I won a coding contest, beating out hundreds of other kids. And the contest was one that I almost didn't even get to enter. I almost missed the test. I was in a special program for gifted students that pulled you out of class several days a week. Normal class just went on without me while I was over in the other class. And meanwhile, there was a new class being offered called computer literacy. Now think about this. This was just after dinosaurs became extinct. <laughs> and I think about computer literacy. Well, luckily, I had a computer in my home because my father had one for work. And I was very curious. And I'd been self-teaching myself with very limited resources. Now, I lived 10 miles away from a city of 10,000 people. My resources were extremely limited. At best, maybe I had a magazine on the topic. So when I heard about this contest, I went and arranged with the teacher to take the test during recess. A test that I had missed all class time on, I arranged myself to go see it. But I felt like I, I knew the material. I, think, I felt like I could do this. And when I took the test, I did know a lot of the material. But some of it was completely foreign. And I was figuring it out literally on the spot. Ultimately, I even ran out of time on the test. And I was only able to finish half of it. I thought, well, I gave it a try and I learned some new things I'm going to go figure out when I get home. I never expected to hear anything about it again. Yet a few weeks later, at the All School Awards ceremony, my school was surprisingly large for being so rural, almost a thousand kids. I was called up for this new award announced for computer literacy as the winner per the results of this test. Now, I am competitive and I really like to win. <laughs> there is no way it's me. I didn't even finish the test. How could this be? But it was me. And I was recognized in front of the whole school with the teacher commenting that I had done it all self-taught 
Now that moment was really striking to me because I had shown mastery of something that I did just for personal enjoyment. <laughs> I wasn't just taking a math test that my parents told me to do well on. I had done it just because I liked it. Right? And then I also was struck by, even at that time, I only did half the test. I was better than everybody else on this hard thing. I'm getting it and they're not getting it. That's That was that was really striking to me at that moment. Now flash forward to freshman cut year in orientation at Texas A&M. And they're discussing a relatively new major called business analytics or BANA. And I'm like, this one, this sounds like my major. I think this, I should do this. But they announced, those of you considering this degree, you should know less than 10% of you will be successful. <laughs> look to your left and look to your right and count that out less than 10% of you. And I thought that singular, singularly drove me away. I can't take the risk. I can't take the risk of going to college and getting my degree and not being successful. I, I can't take that risk. So I graduated four years later, magnet a lot with a 3.8 GPA, including a certificate from their new business honors program with a degree in management. I regretted not taking that challenge ever since then, right? And because look at me now, talking to you as a leader in technology that took the longest, hardest road to get there, right? So today I'm going to talk to you about taking that hard path, taking it professionally. I thought of calling this risky business. <laughs> music and maybe some sliding. Um, and this topic came to me when I was recently telling some friends or some colleagues about my professional experiences. And, I, and you guys did it too when, I, when you heard it when I did. You're like, wow, it's amazing, right? And it was, I was realizing and telling my story, I was not conveying how freaking hard it was, right? How hard all these choices were. I was making it seem easy. But as the poem by Robert Frost says, I took the path less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Now, before I tell you why you should and how to take on these big challenges, you need some context so that um, you need to know a little bit more than my introduction, because this context will be important to understand how the ups and downs and the twists and turns of life mixed together professionally and personally. So after graduation, I went into consulting and I learned to be a software developer on the job. But remember, I didn't have a programming degree. And at one time, my boss's boss asked my boss, how did she get this job? <laughs> I was not a fast learner, but I rocked it once I got it. I enjoyed the work there, taking on more and more challenges. And I had the, my first and second child in that role. After much debate with my husband, that I will tell you about another time, <laughs> I gave in and let him take on the role of stay-at-home dad. When my, then later, when my oldest daughter was two, when my second child was one month old, my daughter had to have brain surgery to literally save her life. That was a very challenging point for us, and we ended up moving to Chicago. That meant that triggered when I moved to Chicago, and I transferred within the consulting company I was working at um, to be closer to family that could help us. After two years in Chicago, traveling every week and having my third baby, I made a move to Exelon, a major power generation distribution company that was three miles from my house. I saw it when I went to the movies. <laughs> and I landed in their nuclear division, another chance to take on the hardest topics and a very complex and safety conscious industry. I enjoyed eight years there and a final fourth baby, but I was very ambitious. We mentioned the glass ceiling. I was ambitious and I didn't see a path upwards there. So I took on the biggest challenge yet of quitting my job and moving my family to Abu Dhabi for my first CIO role, where I built the entire IT department 
for a newly constructed uh, in construction process four unit nuclear power plant on the Arabian Gulf. After we as a family spent seven happy years there, we wanted to come back to the US. I switched industries to work for Stanley Black and Decker, and I started my new job in the US and new to us, Indiana, on March 1st of 2020. Oh. <laughs> it my next two years were like. And recently, just in September of last year, with two kids on their own, one kid in college and one college senior, I returned to Houston to begin my current role as CIO in another new industry, shipping. Lots of twists and turns professionally and personally. So why should you take on the hardest goals? First of all, because you can. <laughs> Looking at back at my computer literacy award and sub subsequent derailment of my destiny, I had to work way harder to get back on track than if I had just stayed on course in the first place. I had the skills, you have the skills. I was asked once in one of those psychological interviews that you do to prepare for your next leadership role, what would you do if you made a huge mistake? And my answer to that was, well, I would know that my intent was good. I would know that it was not from scandal or fraud. So I would just go from there and repair it. And that ties back to you can do it, right? That have that mindset and it will set you free to try those riskier roles. Second, it is more fun. Just because the role itself is harder doesn't mean that all those other challenges in your life are actually harder. So as I was experiencing a hard role with a daughter in brain surgery, it, an easier job would not have made that easier. Those challenges I did either anyway, and having a meaningful work can make it feel better. I earned my MBA going to class in the evenings after work while raising four young children. I shaped my life around those priorities. I studied at wrestling tournaments. I, sometimes my husband would drive into the city, I was in Chicago at the time, and pick me up from class so that I could sleep and get an extra hour of sleep on the way home. And my kids loved to help me with, their, with my homework. They gave me great essay ideas. <laughs> and third, it's an ambition accelerator. The chances that I took to get me there got me there faster than trying to work within the existing system. I didn't always jump at the hard things. I'm not really a daredevil. Sometimes I had to be pushed, whether it was getting sick of traveling or being stuck in a dead-end role. I was often the frog in a pot, afraid to take relief of the risk. But as a female who made the jump to CIO by moving my family into a region associated with risk, I actually sympathize with what we heard about Brittany Griner. She had to take on a riskier role than a man to meet the compensation and to be to, than a man of comparable talent to be adequately compensated and to move herself along in her career. And lastly, taking on the hard roles is an actionable way for you to create paths for others and to be an example to those watching you. It's the essence of the nature of our country to take risks and forge progress. The challenges that you face and the meaning you find in your work will grow opportunities for everybody. So that was a little bit about why you should. Now I'm going to talk about how to once you're there. So to find these roles and be successful in them, that's before and during, you've got to have a different approach to how you listen, how you watch, how you trust, and how you're on guard. You've got to figure out who you can trust and, and those to fill your gaps in judgment. For instance, when I was in Abu Dhabi, I found out that in my interview process, I misunderstood and that I didn't have a team of 40 people. I had a 40-box org chart filled with empty boxes. <laughs> so I had to fill that really fast and find people I could trust. You need to learn enough to reach 30% 
I just read the book called The Digital Mindset, and it's by Paul Leonardi and Sadal Mealy. And in this, they define 30% as the point of ability to communicate and interact on that topic that you need, but you need only understand 30%, not the entire topic. That's how you fill in the trust gaps when you make these types of changes. 30% gets you comfortable enough in ambiguity. Now, a multifaceted portion of my approach to taking on risks is to shape myself in public. First of all, you tell people, you ask for it. Genuinely, if there's any skill concern, they just say, we're not moving you up because of this. Say, all right, put me in a role that will teach me and test me in that. I'll take on that challenge and prove to you that I can do it. Second, focus on results. And this is not just for others, but for yourself. Look back at your achievements and personally feel pride. This is part of how you forgive yourself. When you, I, I, I keep what I call myself, I call it a pick-me-up folder. And it's filled with kind messages from people messages that made my day when I got them, and I use it on a day that's been rough. And I look back at that pick-me-up folder and it helps me get, get through that day. Back to a little bit more about telling people. When I came to Exelon, I felt like I was under-hired. Right? It, was a, it was a tough economy, and um, I was kind of desperate. I would take whatever role I could. So, And I also, on the first day of my job there, there was a message about downsizing. Okay. I, in my inbox, that's when I found out we were going to be downsizing for the next nine months. So I'm like, I've got to make sure people know me. So I did my a mentor suggested road shows. Go do some little road shows with people. You're not asking them for anything. You just want to tell them about yourself. The little road show about what you can do. And shape your life. Shape your life around the role to get the best, most balance that you can. Hard goals are harder, but I can say from experience that they can be handled so as to not be harder than your life would have been with an easy role. Avoid looking at each day as a success or failure. And any balance, look back at it as something like an 80 20 rule. How was that month? How was that year? Where am I uncomfortable in any direction? Each role will have flexible points. You can find those points and, and start to show the way for other reason. Now, I could spend hours just describing all the roadblocks, the failures, and even fears experienced in my story. Yet it has also been absolutely wonderful. I know that I am more complete for the challenges. And I look at my family and I know that they are too. They're better for the challenges that I took on and the evolutionary process that took me to achieve them. And I encourage you to take the road less traveled and take on some risky business. But I wanna end with a funny story about perception and bias. So you recall that I mentioned my husband as a stay-at-home dad for our four children. And when my second child, a boy, who is now 22, went to kindergarten, he came home one day during the first week and eagerly greeted me after I came home from work. He had an update on his day. And he seemed like he had the biggest news for me, something that had come as just a shock to him. And he said, Mom, did you know that in some families, the daddies work? <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you again next Thursday at 6 p.m. For more information about the Chamber and our podcast, please visit us at ghwcc.org.